0: I think my road down that, that, that avenue of addiction was purely trying to find comfort in the denial of who I was.
1: Welcome to the Recover Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Martin John, the Recovery Mentor. If you got or are getting sober to build a new life, then you're in the right place. I'm not interested in how much time you have. I care about what you're doing with the time that you do have. And when you care about you, your sobriety is going to be inevitable. I've completely retooled this podcast to focus on topics rather than focusing on people and their sober experiences. From now on, I will be addressing the countless aspects that contribute to recovering ourselves. I am open to ideas and guests. Reach out to me if you want to share. Today's episode is entitled The Expectations of Others Transitioning into Self. We address what Lona Curry, my guest this week, calls the invisible laws of normal and unwritten rules. You see. When we're born, we're immediately inundated with the thoughts and ideas of those around us. Those thoughts, because they're the only ones we're exposed to, are considered the norm. These lead to expectations of what we deem as normal. These invisible laws of normal come from family, church, school, culture, and all the dogma that comes with each of those, many of which have been informed by the others. They teach us what and how we're expected to be. Breaking from that is not easy for anyone. Many people live lives that are riddled with unhappiness because they don't know how to hear or trust themselves over the din of everyone else. But that is exactly what's needed. A few things to note before we dive in. We address something called minority stress, which can be generalized as the stress that someone feels when they don't fit in. This covers, on large and small scales, gender identity, sexual preference, race, and a whole host of other assumptions within a given culture. In terms of being oneself completely, I want to mention that Lona is a trans man, and it was only in 2013 when gender identity disorder was removed from the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Health Disorders. I mention this because as of today, it was only seven years that our scientific community stopped giving permission to diagnose those who were born transgender as having a mental health disorder. So even though we've made great strides as a community, it takes a long time to change the way you perceive something. So keep in mind as you listen, what are the expectations that we carry? And I will start by asking, how are we introduced to the invisible laws of normal? And how do we embrace, how do we maybe inadvertently even, or against our better judgment, or even against our own health? Like, embrace these invisible laws of normal
0: well we we know that in those pre-language years of our lives we're really absorbing everything from our environment and you know that's the time as parents you think oh we can do anything we want to right now because they'll never remember this is not affecting but really it is affecting the whole atmosphere and that's how we begin to determine what our surroundings our family our people's you know, invisible normal is. And we pick those things up by their routines and observing their routines and, and listening to how they speak. And, and, you know, we're so intuitive at that time that, that we really pick up mostly on vibrations. So just as we're able to pick up who's nice and who's good and who's not, I think we're really able to absorb what the expectations are. I mean, we start defining gender with children before they ever come out of the womb you know the moment the ultrasound picture comes out we begin to set up what's normal for them so if you're a boy we buy all blue and we set it up in sports and vice versa for a girl and we really still have no idea who they're going to be and so you know those things affect they really do affect the development of someone as they are coming into this world and and reacclimating, so to speak, to this 3D surrounding.
1: How did you experience expectation, and how do you believe we experience expectation of others through our formative sort of younger years? and, and, And how are those unwritten rules written?
0: As you may or may not know, I grew up in the very deep South. And so a lot of their unwritten rules are written on everything. You know, there is a very deep tradition of religion in the South. And and like right now, as we answer that question, I'm looking around as my younger self to, you know, my surroundings and I'm seeing this little town. And I remember, I remember seeing my first rebel flag Confederate flag in, in the window of a store. And I remember asking my grandfather, you know, what that meant. And I remember him explaining it to me and, you know, I was very young and, and still not really understanding. Cause again, you still don't see the difference between, you know, color and people and all of that stuff. So I remember that being very confused I remember thinking, well, that really says <clears throat> that really says a lot, you know, as a child, that says a lot about, how they feel. And then, you know, that, that deep tradition of church every Sunday, you know, then with the family and and there was just this deep disdain for anything different. And I all, you know, I felt the difference and I remember starting to feel there was a moment when I realized Now to know this, you have to know that my history, my grandfather was like my best friend as a little kid. He was my best friend. So the difference for me came in that moment that I realized that our bodies were different, but that we enjoyed the same things. And, and, you know, and then I remember when we would be playing my grandmother or my mother would say, stop playing so rough. She's a little girl. So I remember thinking to myself, even then, why do they have, why does he have to adjust how we play because you know uh, of that? And so that's a very deep and complicated, but yet great question. And I want to get some really great insight from that because you know, I still live in the South and there are still these very unspoken rules of ways that you know that just come in a stare from someone that can be you feel the energy of that stare meaning you know I'm unsafe those 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 vibrations that come through that 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 let you know that I recognize that you're different and I don't like you or I recognize that you're different and way to go. There's just an energy that comes from people all around me.
1: So, so much of what we're, you know, like this idea of expectation of others and transitioning to self, right? Like this idea of like, how are you going to, how are you going? Like what, what we're, what we're looking at is, is the idea that like from birth till you decide that you're going to make your own choices, Mm -hmm. you're living through the expectations of others. Yeah. Even, even in terms of drinking, right? Like, because we can't, because one, as children, we often see people drink and like they, they deal with their issues that way. So many of us are not happy with the people that we're expected to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people are not happy with who they're expected to be, they have to either suck it up or be someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and being someone else just means being yourself, right? That's how, right? And so that's the, that is the idea of the healthy transition out of that. No matter if you're transitioning your gender or your job or your relationship or your sexuality, whatever, like it's all, it's all the same. Um, so how are expectations of others and our approach to just accepting that because we are raised in a certain tradition of accepting that how is that let's just say harmful
0: well I think that leads us back to that minority stress issue when you know we are we tend to be the only one like us in in an atmosphere we tend to be more shied down stand back you know kind of almost shameful of who we are because we don't see others. And I believe that you know, the, the majority in that same atmosphere kind of take advantage of that in ways. And I, you know, I think that on a day-to-day basis, that majority, they don't expect to see anything different. And a lot still have that idea because it makes them uncomfortable. They still have that idea that you should stay shameful. And we know that everything's energy and everything is vibration. And so it doesn't necessarily take a word from somebody for you to feel that. And if you have felt that for a very long time in your life, you've been living, especially if you are in that minority and you've been this way for a long time, you have developed this sense of living in that survival mode. And so that adds to a lot of ways that you start becoming, the ways that you build your self-esteem, your security level. And as we move through those unspoken expectations of others, we run backwards. We think because we are the minority that there is something wrong with us. Even if they don't say it, i'm not seeing anyone else who feels this way i'm not seeing anyone else this way um and so therefore instead of being celebrating differentness which is what i believe we're evolving into where we celebrate our uniqueness because we're coming to understand that it is our power that is our uniqueness and not that that go with the flow mentality and so we, we we go back to that minority stress and, and and what that puts on people when they are the only of themselves. And I think as a society, what we can begin to do to help rewrite these unspoken, these unspoken expectations and rules is Start allowing start becoming aware when a a minority of something comes into your experience, become aware of how it makes you feel and understand that it is less their issue and more of our issue. And that's with anything that we are trying to evolve and change anything that we are moving to even especially in the recovery process is we have to learn that our discomfort is not, An outside force that is moving its way in on us because people get mad sometimes when a trans person or someone different walks into their experience as if we should have been able to see their invisible force field that says nothing different come towards me and they get angry and they don't really take the opportunity to ask themselves why. I think we as a society can begin to shatter these unspoken rules, these shatter, these expectations of others and with just being aware of self. And I think the expectations of others, we all have, but sometimes we don't realize we have them until something challenges it. Now in my platforms that I, you know, I'm doing this publicly, um, you know, o- online, and I needed people to see that recovery journey. As I was talking about healing your root causes, what what is it that kept you hiding from yourself, running back to this substance, running back to this this fake well being, if you will? Um, what kept you running back? And so as I was exploring all of mine and healing them in front of, you know, the camera, when I came to this, I had to do that in front of the camera as well, just to give people a, a place to look and say, okay, that person looks like me, whether I'm trans transitioning my gender or, you know, transitioning my job, my myself as, as whoever, whatever, whatever feels right for me. You know, if this person can do it, I can do that. And so if, if we keep standing up and out like that and then visit ourselves for why we are so uncomfortable with the different, what's not the norm. And you know what? Honestly, Mark, I don't even know how to uh, find out where we originated this norm other than you know, what steeps from religion what what religion has kind of bled out into the world of what is normal and what is not but it seems that we know it from such a young age that we grow up in this box of what's supposed to be normal and if you start to want to you know push against the walls of that box then you are the minority and then i think that minority stress plays Big, well, right. and
1: minority stress is, yeah. is is can be localized. So I mean, very, very. you could be white in a black neighborhood and experience minority stress. Absolutely, it is just about being a minority in a in a, in a, in an area at a time where you are the minority. That's the a minority. stressful sort of experience, and that's yes. all that we mean when we talk about minority stress, i want to bring it back to uh the expectations of others we have expectations thrust upon us mm-hmm. as as children and then we put out these expectations yes and and i was you know and i and as you were speaking i was thinking about this idea of like oh wait We all have expectations of others, right? Like, we have expectations that we're going to be... We actually, being in the minority, have expectations more often than not that we won't be accepted.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That is probably met very keenly by those who have expectations of us meeting, and then we get to experience that full head-on. Can you speak a little bit about, like, the depth of expectation and experience as we go through our lives day to day
0: well i tell you i mean you we talk about expectations just like that on both sides of the spectrum and we know when we talk about and we we learn about the law of attraction is that like attracts like and what we are expecting very often if not always we will find and so you know as as just as we were saying the expectations of others really expose our expect expectations as well and you know when we walk into that situation of expecting that we're not going to be accepted and people are going to treat us badly and we are always going to run into those people because we are vibrating at that at that place and those things collide And then they reiterate that belief that, again, I'm the minority here. I don't have the right to stand up for who I am. And, you know, I live this on a daily basis just because of my workplace, you know, and and a lot of people do where they begin this transition at this workplace and they've got years in there and they're not can't just quit and go off to a magical island somewhere and they come back as their new self and they live this huge life. Um, unfortunately when people, a lot of people get into transitioning their gender, they have that unrealistic, unspoken expectation that all of a sudden it's all going to be magical. And there's not much talk of what happens there in between. And so, you know, as we are moving through, I think one of the most amazing things that we can do is begin to change those expectations to begin within ourselves to expect to be seen and expect to be, you know, accepted and expect that maybe people won't even notice, you know, that that you just don't expect to get the stairs. We've got to start, we, we really, really, I think, to really achieve this evolution in consciousness of, a, of humanity as a whole, we've all got to start changing those expectations. And I believe that when we run into other people's expectations, it exposes our own. And I'll tell you, I've never realized how many expectations I had until I was raising my child, raising my son as, you know, a trans man, pre-transition, really exposed all of my expectations for him, which then broadened up my expectations of the world and, and, and how I was experiencing it. Now, part of the recovery journey has been to learn to change those expectations within myself before I can expect to see them you know, mirrored back to me in my reality. And so, you know, the study of, of, of divine universal law is, is a vital part in, in our evolution as a society in dropping those expectations and allowing them to be exposed to us. Because, you know, we got to run into those things. Because anytime we have an expectation of someone or, or some situation, we're setting ourselves up for suffering. You know, we, we, we truly are when we are trying to control the life of another. And I think that that's what happens in our community so much, even with the recovery community, you know, trans, LGBTQ, minority community, all of that stuff is our expectations simply come down, boil down to a control of others. I want you to act like this so that I am comfortable, period. And it always sets us up for suffering. It always causes our own suffering to do that.
1: There's an interesting kind of glaring question to me of like, when I run around and yell, I expect or I demand respect. And yet my expectation is I'm not going to get it.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. How
1: do I, or how can I gain access to that fact? And, or how do I deal with the fact that like, whoops, my expectations were that I wasn't gonna, and where do I deal with that?
0: It all starts with becoming aware, just becoming self aware and and to guard those knee jerk reactions that we have to things. Cause almost every time, we have an egoic reaction, someone has stepped on our expectations of something, whether it is a conversation, you know, these things are happening so subconsciously for us that when we get into a conversation, we even have subconscious expectations of how that conversation should go or how we want it to go. And we really have to start coming back to our, you know, Stepping all the way back to what is the origin of that expectation? Where is it coming from? Because we know that there is all emotions traced back to one of only two origins. And that is either ego and fear or love. And we have to start taking some time to step back away from things, become aware and ask ourselves that question. See many times the same in, in, in parental situations when we say, but I love my child and I expect him to do these things so that he doesn't have to repeat the same mistakes that I made. And we never truly come to a place of understanding that, you know, this is a human being on its own human journey. And we are only here to facilitate, feed it, love it. You know, all of those things to allow, this human being to now experience their divine call, their divine path. But that goes back to those societal things of how you're supposed to do things. And we say it comes from care. If we go deeper and we ask ourselves the real questions, we will come to understand that we are trying not only for them not to make our same mistakes, that aren't really mistakes at all because they make us who we are. We are somehow trying to live out some parallel self in another person. And if we, if we, again, go back into self, revisit self and ask that question of, is this expectation going to further my you know, love walk, or is it going to further my egoic sabotage and Mm -hmm. ask ourselves where we're coming from, from those two scales and spectrums. And then we can start to uncover and expose because darkness can't live in the light because the light exposes the darkness. Mm -hmm. And we all have to do that when it comes And This is a beautiful subject to actually have it Lifted on because expectations are involved in almost every moment of our lives, every moment, back from those caveman days, Mm -hmm. I'm expecting I'm going to stick my head out and a dinosaur is going to chop, you know, get it, you know? And so it goes back so far that we've got to be afraid not to go back just as far within ourselves. And it's Mm -hmm. awareness awareness. Am I uncomfortable? ask myself why before i lash out at the object that i believe or am blaming for making me uncomfortable and we got to see everything as a lesson toward evolution it's a lesson towards meeting my higher self the best version of me my divinity if you will this is how i get past all the crud to find that you know that that amazing me in there is You know why is this making me uncomfortable it's here for my good it's not here to to ruin my day it's somehow inherently here for my good so trust and awareness
1: so in terms of that like i mean you mentioned you know like the difference between the ego and the love um and I'm often presented with information, you know I've been doing a lot of my own self work you know like I do my you know like I work with clients I do all this stuff and and so like I'm always trying to push myself and it's very often people you know like give me advice on what I need to do okay. and now, thus far in my life, I've always taken the humble road of you no. Know, Even though I've done that before, I might still need work to do in that area. Um, And so I always question, like, my experience. Is this coming from ego? Is this coming from love? Now, is there a way to tell the difference? Because it's not, you know, like, both of us coming from addiction. A lot of people today talk about, like, feel within the body. I tell you, I can't trust my body all the time. So what can I trust?
0: Well, I think that as we come deeper into the recovery process, um, and, and regardless of what you're recovering from, whether it be substance habit, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, when we get in a place where we start to bring everything into awareness, we start to really feel our bodies more and and, you know i gauge myself with that same question is this thought here going to further me and deepen me into you know the best possible version of myself which is what i'm you know reaching for every single day or is this going to just fulfill a momentary you know fleeting good feeling because you know, we get in things like rage and anger and they produce, you know, momentary, you know, releases of these great hormones that almost make us feel high again. Mm -hmm. And we get addicted to those very chemicals being released. So I always say for myself and, and for my clients and all of those that I speak with is let, let yourself drop down from your head into the heart. And don't be afraid to let things sit with you. You know, everything is not an immediate response. It is okay to tell someone, I'm not sure how I feel about that just yet. You know, I need a little bit of time. And for those things that, that have to be made right then, you know, I really say go into that heart. And there is a very big, you know, if you, if you take your hand and place it on your heart, and then you take a hand and place it on your head. There's a very different feeling. And once someone like just brings your awareness to that, you know, because we are always, we always hear the cliches, follow your heart and, you know, all of those things, but we don't actually know what they mean. And it's not about, it's because we're trying to figure them out with a label and, and words and definitions when really it's about emotion. This goes know, back
1: to the energy that we experienced exactly, when we're born right like exactly. what is the difference between this energy now have i labeled these correctly
0: exactly exactly and and again we have to start being becoming aware in the moment of things because ego will take you to rage ego wants you to be right and ego will have you fight for your platform It's the same as when we are on, we take either side of an issue, you know, whatever big issues going on in the world, the moment we take either side, we're already acting in ego because the emotion of it, your heart, your higher self would lead you to be the change you want to see, not attempt to control everyone or convince them, of your rightness or or your side. And and a lot of people won't resonate with that. They'll say, "Well, that's not right because I'm doing it from love." But really, it's love with an egoic cherry on top because we're not here to control any other human being in form. We are here only only to reach our higher selves and transcend and transcend and evolve into our own divinity. And just like, you know, when you drop the pebble in the water, regardless of the side, it ripples out into the entire body of water. And when we focus in on changing ourselves and ourselves only, and we radiate that energy of true love out into the world, it changes the world. And people will say to me all the time, but I'll I'm just one person in the middle of nowhere, you know, country state, and that's never, it is. You cannot yell loudly enough for someone to get your point. After your voice goes up, even that octave, now their ego is engaged and now you're in a war with ego. You're not even talking about love or the issue at hand. And the way that you feel into these differences, feel into you know that deepness, you will feel it here. You know, I guarantee you you will feel it there, but always not, don't be the ego bets on you to be too afraid because the ego wants to keep you comfortable, it bets on you being too afraid to oppose it, you know, it it bets on it, Mm
1: -hmm. but we've
0: got to oppose it anyway and sit still when it tells us to get up and, and love when it tells us to run Mm -hmm. and, you know, and be with that thing that makes us uncomfortable. Be with it. Ask the internal questions. Our questions should never be, to another person on why they are the way they are or why they are expressing who they are it should always be why the hell do i why does it bother me right what does it ultimately have to do with me how will it affect my life either way it doesn't right. and if we Absolutely. do that in our lives in in every aspect we will begin to experience the type of joy well-being and happiness that no substance habit or anything on earth could even give us. And that's when we find real recovery, real evolution, and real love. And once you experience that a few times, man, you learn to trust it. And and <laughs> you you hear its voice and you know, and you're not gonna get it right every time, man. I mean, we're that's a work right. in progress. Always.
1: Absolutely absolutely. Um so there's, there's there's one more one more kind of one more question I wanna I wanna ask, I, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I don't know. This is probably gonna get edited out and all that kind of stuff. But what uh, what I wanted to to say was that like, you know, we're not brave and heroes to be sober, and you're not brave hero to be uh, going through your transition. We're just people going through and making our choices. Um again the world around us often wants to build this uh, build an unspoken um build another unspoken rule that's like oh you're so brave no i can't live without this right? right like in order for me to be this i have to in order for me to be me i have to right. i i had to do this it wasn't it wasn't an option yeah. um and so um the question i want to ask is What are the differences and similarities that you personally experienced between transition and sobriety? Oh,
0: gosh. So when I began my transition, I wanted everything right now. I wanted to take my first shot and wake up that morning next morning with a full beard and whole new body and ready to hit the world. The same in my recovery, I wanted to to get into it and I wanted to not have any more cravings and I wanted to, you know, start experiencing that, you know, great, happy life. And it all stems back to that, that instant gratification thing, which is part of the recovery process, which is also part of the transitioning process because there's, it goes all so much deeper than just that surface thing that you see. I have experienced, so many changes in my emotions and my emotional capacity um, in both my recovery and my transition. You know, when you are transitioning genders, there are very real differences between genders that you either start gaining and some you start to lose. You know, my ability to be empathic has gotten, you know, a little bit as has shifted and I'm having to learn how to now, you know, be empathic, you know, in this new way. I don't feel things as deep as maybe I once did. Well, it's also the same in recovery. I, I don't, we think that, well, I thought that the ways that I felt would be the ways that I felt forever and yet it's an ongoing process of change and you I learn something new every day about myself about and how to bring it into recovery recovery for me is about true healing healing all the dark places and really pruning and growing all the beautiful places and it takes a little while to start recognizing those beautiful places as in both areas we feel so much shame and guilt and and we 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 point out all the bad and it has been wow such an intermingled beautiful experience to go through both at the same time because i i often think about you know this stage that i'm in with the greasy skin and the you know, the new pimple every day and, you know, the running backwards of the hairline and different things. I think about those ugly parts in my recovery in the early days when, you know, I was having to white knuckle through cravings and I was really having to work on changing my thought processes from what I'd always known all my reactions and to now this new step back and, and feel into it and become self-aware and and so it's greasy and it's you know it's painful and it's ugly in those early times and not that you know there's not you know little dark places at seven years of recovery but they're just different now it's a more personal internal Mm. you know shadow work exposure kind of a thing and it's the same as i am two years into my gender transition now a lot of the changes that are that are coming along are coming along internally where again i'm having to now learn how to navigate with these new ways of feeling and some of the lack of emotions that i used to have and the people around me who have been with me and going through both of these processes with me they're also having to kind of learn to navigate through and, and and realize that it was so much more than we thought. We think it's just the surface. We think it's just, the body's going to change. We think it's just clean time that we're trying to amass, but it's really getting those roots and building from that core, higher self that you are and and getting to there. you know, it's all so much alike that it runs neck and neck in everything. And, you know, gosh, man, I could go on for days.
1: Yeah. But and that's, and that's why I ask. Cause it's such a, like, I, you know, recovery is recovery, you know? And and the thing is, is you're, it's not about recovering from, right? It's about moving it's, towards something. And what you're moving towards is you and you um, embody God, right? Yep um
0: the divine expression of
1: god on earth that's right (laughs) so um i i did jot a note down about like how did you pass on unspoken rules to your son
0: oh well you know in in my relationship with my son it was pre-transition for me i waited until he was of age to begin my transition um you know i say that but it was an excuse to chicken out you know i used his well i don't want him to be uncomfortable at school i made him through my own unspoken vibration i made him ashamed of his family and i regret that deeply because I always tried to remain in the background so he would not have to explain to his friends or or, or you know schoolmates that his family was different. I tried to make his life comfortable and yet I, I know that I, I've done him a great, injustice or or disservice in that because he did not ever learn to be proud of who he was. And I see him in his life. Now, as he has grown, I see him always looking for somewhere to belong. And it is everything the way I was myself at his age, because I was running so far away from myself you know, denying that because those unspoken rules say that this is just not okay. You're, you're denying your nature. If you change it, you are going against God. If you change yourself or, you know, there's so many of those things. And again, so many of them trickle off of, you know, deep religious beliefs, where I am from, and, and that label of gender, boys do this, are supposed to do this, and girls are supposed to do this. Those things just become deeply ingrained in you, whether they're, they're, they're spoken sometimes, they're unspoken. You know, it, it's a big gumbo, if you will. That's one of those Southern things. It's a gumbo, if you will, of, of what normal and society's supposed to look at. That will always be one of the things that I regret and I'm in the process now of actually writing a book for for families in recovery parenting in recovery because many times I came To my raising of my son with the expectations that he would be the boy I never got to be that i expected him to be that guy in high school that you know i always dreamed to be and when he did not meet those expectations i was very critical and could not understand what his problems were like you know i would say things like what are you why why aren't you taking advantage of this you know What, what problems could you possibly have asking insensitive questions like that from a perspective that I have no earthly idea what it's like to be the child of, of gay or transgendered parents in high school or middle school in the year, you know, 2017, eight, you know, we forget because of our expectations and our experience, we forget that we're all on a human path. I will really hone in on that in this book that you know we have to accept people as their own individuals and we've got to shatter these unspoken rules and we have to shatter these you know expectations that we have of others so that we don't make other people suffer and so we don't set ourselves up for suffering ourselves and we've got to let loose of the control Of of what how people should be act do feel all of those things.
1: Thanks, Lona. I really appreciate you. Um, I really appreciate you being on.
0: Martin, I I really really love what you are doing. I'm so grateful that you know we made this connection. It again lets me just feel so much gratitude for the recovery community, and, and because that's how we made this beautiful connection thank you for, for helping to shatter these unspoken rules and expectations and, and just being a light on the earth for, you know, humanity. I, I, these conversations shatter stigma on so many different areas that, you know, we're covering a lot of ground in just one show. And so I wish you, honestly, the very best outcome of this entire project and i really can't wait to see all that you do with this because you are helping humanity evolve into this new consciousness and i'm just honored and grateful that you allowed me to be a part of it i'm really super stoked (laughs)
1: well thank you so much yeah no that's uh that's all that's all definitely a part of it so we're trying to you know you just keep contributing right
0: all the time all the time Lona, thank
1: you so much, man.
0: Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks. All right.
1: So in light of all that Lona presented, I want to raise the question for each of you listening. Where is what other people deem as normal keeping you from being yourself? And what about you do you not want anyone to know? Answering these questions takes us each to places we're hiding from both others and ourselves. As this relates back to sobriety, in as few as two drinks, anyone can convince themselves of anything especially running from problems that they would otherwise want to be dealing with. However, it is through the discomfort of not escaping that will show you alcohol is not your problem. I mean, drinking too much alcohol is a problem, but it's exacerbating all of the other problems. But alcohol is keeping you from facing that which scares you most, and that's how awesome you are. You can find more information on Lona and how to get in touch with him in the description of this episode. You've been listening to the Recover Yourself podcast, where we step beyond recovering from and start recovering to. Now, if you're ready to do the hard work of recovering yourself, contact me. I work with clients over a total of four sessions to identify and face those things that they're running from. If you're interested in contributing to the Recover Yourself podcast, contact me through here on Instagram or Twitter, where you can find me at Martin John. Until next time, keep recovering yourself.